Welcome to the Hobcast, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime and suspense novels. Each week we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of building a new creative business in this pandemic world. We'll hear from the people who make all this possible, the authors, cover designers and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast from Hobeck Books, as we combine trad values and an indie spirit. Hello. Hello, and welcome again to the Hopcast, another special edition from the London Book Fair, but it is technically show number 65. It feels like we've just done this. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, the first episode went up yesterday with a very, well, actually this morning, I should yeah, say, with a, a wonderful interview with J.D. Kirk or oh, Barry Hutchison, yeah, who uh, has grabbed us at the London Book Fair today and offered us two of two further guests. Which we We're will keep reveal later. We will, we will. <laughs> but we are delighted to say that we ought to say who we are and what we do. I'm Adrian Hobart. I'm Rebecca Collins. And together we run Hobeck Books, UK independent publishers of the following genres. Crime. Suspense. Thrillers. And mysteries. She is available for bar mitzvahs and things and like blind that. blind date presenting. Yeah, you could be. Yeah, it was a very good seller. Um, yeah. But we are delighted that our very, very first author of all time is with us. Of all time. That makes it sound like a dinosaur. Well, uh, we've got 21 now, uh, but the very first to join us was Robert Dort. Hello there. <laughs> Beautifully said. Yes, I'm, an, I'm now 127 years of age <laughs> and feeling every bit of it. It's not that long ago. Well, that makes us about 125. Then. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're a mere youthful person. Probably about 96, 97. It, but it's not that long ago. I mean, we keep reminding ourselves because pandemic has messed up all of our sense of timing. Yeah, it certainly but, has. But we it still does. Yeah, <laughs> it does. But we first published a book with you. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. July. July. Uh, in the middle. So we're nearly two years. Coming up for two years. Yes, two years. It's flown by, hasn't it? Really. I mean, it's and it's been sort of uh, followed the COVID um, uh, pandemic absolutely. But here we are, hopefully at the end of it. We're sitting in Express Mo, which is a lovely cafe uh, opposite. Olympia. Olympia. Yeah. I've just had a wonderful bowl of spicy tonkatsu ramen. Yes, and I've had some chicken, what you just said. And, <laughs> and, uh, and Adrian I had polished off the medium set sushi. Oh, yes, and very, very neat and tidy. So it we, should, as well. we should talk in Japanese. Mihoto dekimasu. Oh. Is, that, uh, well, is that actually authentic Japanese? Oh, it is, yeah. And it's left here, so I suppose. Oh, God. Go on, give us some more. Give, you know, Let's have some more. It sounds sexy when you say uh, it. Watashi wa Rebecca san. Uh, konnichiwa. Um, sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, in English means, can I have another coffee, please? Yeah. Two uh, bottles of acai, and uh, yeah. So, yes, it's full of atmosphere. We've just had a downpour outside. And we've uh, left the main halls yeah. of this very special event that you've been covering mm. with earnest and great professionalism, may I add, and we'll be continuing to do all week long. Uh, yeah, that's, that, the hope. That's, the, that's the hope. I mean, you know, to be fair, as you would have experienced when you walked in, it is just uh, a frenzy. It's heaving. It's heaving, isn't it? And sensory overload. It's, it's quite actually too much. I mean, all the major um, publishers 
large, medium and small, but not, well, I hear pretty much, uh, of the independent um, uh, book publishers uh, are represented and certainly half the whole seems to be agents sort of dealing with rights for foreign markets. It looks a bit like the Wall Street for books to me. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. It it does give you a headache. You have to adjust. I did. Yeah, you do need to pack your paracetamol when you come here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, it's incredibly impressive. And one thing you do realise straight away is, well, two things. One, books is big business, uh, if you get it right. And also, obviously, there's still massive demand. The yeah. demise of uh, the reading uh, that we've all heard of over the years, uh, albeit, I think, uh, one of the, the only positive bumps of COVID, is that people have taken to reading again. Yeah, and in new formats. So yeah. they've gone online and uh, take... But I think that what the, the one negative, perhaps, from our indie view is that those big publishers that have all those enormous stands that look like they've been transferred from the Champs-Élysées or something like that. <laughs> um, the fact is that they are now parking their tanks on the digital law that was yes. the free run of the independent community until two years ago. And now they understand the importance of e-books yeah. because they couldn't sell physical copies for a couple of years. And so what did they do? They came in and started outbidding on adverts oh, and right. stuff like that. So that's one of the real problems that independent authors are finding. So what, what independent authors used to be able to make a, a speciality of yes. yeah. and, and define themselves in business, certainly by, has now sort of um, slipped away. No, yeah, it's still there, they're still doing it, clearly, and, and some very, very successfully indeed. indeed. But yeah, but I think that all of the ones that we're meeting and seeing, and we, we've today we've seen... LJ Ross and uh, we and our friend JD Kirk were on, on, on the platform. Uh, they were saying that one of the reasons they're successful is they know exactly what the audience wants. Yes. And so I think that the indie community who could sell books by doing what they wanted to do, that is much harder to do now. So all of the authors, successful authors that are with us at London Book Fair that we are having conversations with have all done the research. Rachel yeah. McLean as Rachel well. Rachel McLean, yeah. exactly. What We had a long conversation with her uh, at the end of the day yesterday. And she sold, she said, oh, I celebrated my millionth pound raised from my books. Yes. Um, only, what was it, when was it? A couple of days yeah, ago? Yeah, it wasn't very long ago. I think, you know, it was in her hotel room here. You know, she's, wow. And she's done that in the space of about a year. And it's when she went out and researched what the market wanted. Yes. Before and she even began writing. Exactly. Yeah. She, she went and read what the tropes were. She saw what, what, what And there's countless books that sort of give advice on this. There was one that's something, oh, yeah. the bestseller formula that came out a few years ago. Yes. Did you ever read that? Oh, yeah. yeah you know, got which that, yeah. deals with algorithms and good, I mean, things that are beyond me, certainly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, it's a, it's a many, many faceted um, uh, industry. And you, it's not very often you get everyone, writers, publishers, agents, buyers, marketers, the, the whole lot in one room, albeit a huge exhibition hall. Uh, absolutely, but I think what's interesting is... I just had a weird thought. Say there that? was a zombie apocalypse in there. Yes. <laughs> what would people read? It's a very good idea. There would be no books made. I don't mean it was a very good idea. It's a very interesting <laughs> notion, I should have said. <laughs> well, let's well, do it. That's why we're in the, that's why we're in the cafe. Mm-hmm. The road, that's, that's, your get us. But, but that's your next book. <laughs> this is something that's just struck me. I mean, I, 
it's the first time I've been in an environment where there is still a class system in play yes. for a very long time. Book publishing is not about being egalitarian and supportive of each other. It's dog-eat-dog, and there are the big five, and, yes. everyone, and they, they look down upon the rest of us from Olymp- Olympus, and that's how it feels in there. It's built Olympus and, and Olympia. It's, because it's no coincidence that the indie community are shoved on the mezzanine yes. at the back of the Grand Hall in a tiny area yes. with not enough seats for the people who want to listen to indie authors talking about how they've done things. No. You know, whereas the rest of the place is just dominant. But that's an interesting observation from you, of course, because you have a foot in both worlds. You're a traditional publisher and, uh, uh, and uh, understand, well, I mean, what, what, what's your line... Oh, uh, the values, values in the spirit. spirit. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at things from both sides. Uh, or, or, yeah, or, or, I know we're greedy, aren't we? <laughs> quite, no, quite right. I think you, you're setting up a, a, a model which is different. And, you know, the, the fact is you can't take on the big boys and there's no point. All you can do, as we've been talking today, is get the best stories you can and make them as special as you, 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 you can with authors and just get them out there. I mean, obviously, money is a big thing, you know. Yeah. You could, well, I mean, but even the big big publishers, I mean, the, the advances aren't what they were. No. You know, but many thousands of, of writers who over the years were used to getting advances get none now and they have to write on spec alongside everybody else. So the whole nature of the business has changed. The money's going somewhere, uh, but um, it's, it's not necessarily going where it's it used to. It's in the coffee in there. Well, I, <laughs> it is, yes. So I have to say, I mean, we had an experience this morning. The first thing we did when we got in was we decided right, we're going to just find a corner to... Weep uh, <laughs> No, no. I mean, we we're going to find a corner where we could just get the, get the phone out, look at the diary that, of things that were happening at London, but things we wanted to, to, to do. Yes. And we thought, well, we'll go to the back of the rights room, which is a separate section. For, it's in the Grand Hall, but sort of tucked under the mezzanine. And it's just row upon rows of desks. It's almost Orwellian in its look. Oh, and it's absolutely. That, and, isn't it? and that's where all oh, the agents it's are. Kafkaesque. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Now, yesterday afternoon, we got in there. We just got scanned in. This morning, we were told, do you have an appointment? Uh, I, I, I was honest and said, no, we haven't got an appointment. Well, you can't come in then. And so, actually, we were, there are guards on those doors. Oh, I know. I, I got chucked out, and I didn't even re- realise I was anywhere to be chucked out of. <laughs> <laughs> I just got... I went, oh, that's Curtis Brown over there. Yeah, well, yeah, I, said, yeah. I had a look, and she said, excuse me, where do you think you're going? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I appreciate that that's for the efficient running of the thing, but at the same time, it's another thing that tells you that... You know, your name's not down. You're not coming in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get very sensitive about this stuff. I know you're Which bitter and twisted, no, and, 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 and we, we, we've got used to it over the two years. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yes, I understand. It's, it's, you do feel that you're out of the club. But I also understand that. I suppose there has to be some form to it. <clears throat> I mean, there's probably people who've spent three years trying to get an appointment at one of those desks. You Quite know, possibly, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, Gold dust. and all of that. And really, that's been the nature of us talking um, uh, today, really, trying to find a way of uh, and a thought to actually make the smaller um, uh, publishers 
uh, unique in what they can that what they can give. Um, uh, but so many unique um, smaller publishers have to concentrate on this, um, and the ways they're going about it. The industry is changing, as you say. The independent write, uh, publishers and writers have, have, have lost one way of doing it because the big boys are taking over. You know, in, in so many areas uh, with e-books, so you constantly have to keep on your toes Absolutely. and find new ways to do it. And and it is possible. It really is possible, and it's frustrating. And you know, you, you, you feel well. What's the, what's the point? I'm sure thousands of writers and many publishers feel. You know, what's the point of this? We don't stand a chance. The market is is never going to be ours. But that's that, it, it is possible. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. But it is possible. You're beginning to do it. You know, yeah. in very short order, <coughs> open to new ideas. You're flexible. Sure. That's uh, why I'm Becky Bendy legs. Yeah, and and you're, you're constantly thinking, you're constantly being creative. So basically, as we said earlier, this time next year you'll walk through those portals, and there'll be people rushing up to you <laughs> and just saying, "Are you? You're not. Are you?" And you'll say, "Yes, I am." <laughs> and you'll say, "Yes, I am," but in Japanese. <laughs> May we may well do. Um, I look forward to that. Well, no, I think I think next year, you know, there's there's no question that there is a big advantage of having a physical space that is yours yes. for people to come and find you. Need, you need a base camp when yeah. you try to climb Everest, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and so that's that's something that we need to to figure out. And uh, you know, it's also important to remember that you know, London Book Fair is not the be all and end all. It just happens to be you know, 150 miles down the road from where we are based. But the fact is that most rights are sold at the Frankfurt Book Fair. And yeah, which is, is a bit further away Which is a hell of a walk. <laughs> it, it is, but I mean, in many ways, a lot of the deals will be started here yes. and finished in Frankfurt. Yes. I think that's the nature of it. And, and you know, the fact, is, as you know, in any walk of life, being recognised, being, you know, it takes time for people to know that you exist and once they do and the ones that are prepared to engage with you they're the ones you're looking to, to work with but to come in cold it's really hard it's a bit like walking in naked isn't it well it feels a little bit that way but well I haven't seen you try that yet let's do that when we get back in the hall in about half an hour <laughs> you reminds us of Pineapple right, Man so who's, who's figured out how to we, uh, we are going to find Pineapple Man yeah we will well, well goodness knows what he looks like in the nude <laughs> maybe we get to find out why he got that name he's a bit spiky well no I mean as, you'll, as, you'll find, as we will find out when we speak to Pineapple Man at some point in the next two shows uh, he told, told us that the, I mean I, I had I mean, you've acted in period drama uh, and, uh, and, and probably period settings where pineapples seem to, pe- to be a very prominent piece of, uh, you know, uh, symbology yes. around, you know, like stately homes and things like that. Yes. But oh, yeah, I mean, they're hugely popular, and, and I, I, I guess that there's some eroticism Possibly. attached to it. Um, well, or just he was saying that people would rent pineapples just to show that they had access to a pineapple yes. in the in, it, it in the 17th thousands century to rent a pineapple in the 17th century really yeah, yeah. so yeah. you know so they put gilded pineapples all over their, their what they should rooms. have done is made a time machine come here now gone to the local market got a few pineapples gone back made a million well, th- th- there's so many things you could do that with, and not just a pineapple. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe the fashion was for, for, for just sitting on them. You know, as a, uh, but I don't know. Well, yes, I, I, the pineapple man. Well, he's to come, coming shortly on Hope Hobcast Book Show. <laughs> yeah, the Hobcast Book Show is proud to present Pineapple Man. Uh, you They've know, only made me sit on a passion fruit. For that, I'm eternally <laughs> grateful. Or kiwi. <laughs> but, I mean, what's... I mean, 
to sort of your impression then of where you are in the industry and and looking at the way that things are operating you see it's flourishing yes. or you know uh, well it is flourishing there's no doubt about it but uh, you know there's a uh, um, uh, one of the things i know i mean after 42 years an actor and and the, the you know the massive difficulties it is to actually remain in that um, particular profession uh, for any length of time uh, is that you're just constantly having to sort of try to reinvent yourself, try to keep up um, and uh, also you know, you just have to keep on working and working and working which is what you guys do because very often the opportunities come when you, have, you're, you know, when you, you think you can go no further yes, and yeah. you just relax a little bit and the moment you actually take a, a deep breath then you think oh, that's it something comes in because you've actually allowed it to happen yeah. but the, the whole thing is because it's such a creative thing the reason you're in the business is because you love stories you love yeah. creative people yeah, yeah. you are creative people yourself you know you like people um, <laughs> and, uh, and and that's why we do it so you can look at the corporate world and uh, and the fact is you know they're there and thank goodness they are because they really do sustain so much of the industry worldwide and I suppose they take the rewards of, of their particular investment they do have a great stranglehold over so, so much of the, the, the market and maybe strangle words too harsh uh, a phrase really but they, I understand why they have to do what they, they have to do and they keep millions and millions of readers very happy uh, with the books that they produce on the whole um, I think at any other level be it writer or publisher you just have to just keep chipping away but not chipping away as you know you've said not just you can't go up against them all you can do is you trade in your them. own unique way of exactly. doing things you have to find and, your own way and people yeah. will come come to you uh, and that's again that's what seems to be happening with with you guys at, at Hobeck and coming here I think is probably a, you know of course it's an education it's been an education uh, f- for me but I don't feel daunted by it mm. I feel quite inspired by it and I'm very glad that you know I'm well, I'm very glad I'm with with you guys because one of the things that you can do is you, you do feel you I feel I have a certain amount of control and certain things and areas I feel it's a collaboration I feel uh, there's um, I, uh, an ease of, of communicating which I think not every writer in the world feels with their agents or, or publishers no uh, depending on I guess how successful they happen to be in the moment I know many writers whose careers uh, they, they say where's my career gone and they've got no relationship uh, with uh, agent or broadcasters because they're, they're, they're let go and I think uh, if you've never had a close relationship it's very hard to to, to, to realise when it's gone yeah. <laughs> you know because the relationships most relationships tend to be rather formal and, and business like and, and we're uh, certainly not that <laughs> no you're not so anyway I mean it's it's, it's, it's keep on doing what, what we all do um and, yeah, as and, Churchill and keep used to say, enjoying it. keep on buggering on. Um. Keep on buggering on. <laughs> KBO. <laughs> but, I mean, here's a question from one of your authors. I mean, uh, where would you like to be in two years' time, on from today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I think that first and foremost, we want to get to the point where everyone we sign 
feels that they're getting the audience they deserve. Now, that's not so easy to achieve. No. Some, well, know, that's something we can't guarantee yet. We can't guarantee it at the moment. We, we, you know, we try everything we possibly can. In terms of the business, look, turnover, we would love to get it to the sort of the figures where, you know, we're in a position where we can draw, draw a salary. That would be lovely, rather than the situation. Yeah. You know, we're, but we're two years in. I mean, this is what happens when you're in a, in a new company. And in a sense, you go in with optimism and all that sort of thing, but a lot of naivety too. And, and you know, the cold reality has, has been that, you know, we are growing sales, but not at the rate we, we aspire to. But what, what we really want to be in a position to be is confident going into a place like that, where we have the relationships with the sort of people who can influence right sales abroad and in television. Yeah. We've got a band of authors, as we currently have, still happy with us in two years' time, which is no small achievement because you know, we're not always going to get things right. No. But if we can keep people on board and keep with us and still have faith in us and actually deliver the results that they would hope for, then that's what we're aiming for. But we want a Pobeck to still exist in two years' time. That's the thing. That is not no small aspiration at the moment in the sort of environment no. that we're working in. Absolutely. But ultimately, we we have invested so much of ourselves and so much of our own money has gone into this business. We cannot let it fail. We 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 will ca- carry on fighting. I know you will. And, uh, and in the trenches. And, uh, well, yeah. well, also you, on the you, Grand Hall. You, there is you, one of the great, um, one of the lovely things about being one of your writers is that I really appreciate the lack of BS. Yeah. In dealing with you, I wouldn't know how to do BS. No, well, it's part and really of any no. business, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, you know, just listen to what you're saying now. So many people run around trying to pretend. Uh, yeah. there's something that they're not uh, as opposed to just saying this is what we are this is what we want to be and this is where we are at the moment and, yeah. uh, and I think that's an admirable thing really and I think that's what leads to trust and uh, I, I, trust I, is hugely important I think that's absolutely the core of it um, for Becca and I we, we do not we do not hide the reality no. and that will be uncomfortable for some people involved with Hobeck listening to this uh, there is no magic wand um, anymore. I think that the indie scene, people made quick bucks when yes. it first launched. Yes. And I think now, because the traditional marketplace has moved in and said, ah, that's how we make money when we can't sell in bookshops. We still have the stranglehold, it's a good phrase, on bookshops and presence in box shops, and they always will. Yes. Yeah, uh, and, and like you were saying, there's no point fighting that because you, you can't. never win. You so know, you have to, it's guerrilla tactics. You have to be innovative, and you have to think of something different, something that they haven't thought of, and that they might think, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, and, that's that's what, and, and we will find that, 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 that methodology at some point. So this two-year time thing, for me, is it's yeah. to be remembered for something or for people to see you and go... Oh, you're the publisher that does that, or you're the publisher that tried that, and that was really interesting. Or even if it's a podcast, you're the publisher that did that I, weekly I, podcast. I, 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 I would love, I'd love everybody, you know, to, I'd, I'd like us to be in a position, for instance, where we, we've got a strong mailing list in terms of numbers, yes, not necessarily engagement, but if we were in a position where every time we put an, e- an email out that says we've got a new book out, a thousand people clicked and bought it because they knew that it's a Hobeck book and it's going to be good. Yes. That is the aim for two years' time. Because that then means that you are making enough money from that one email to pay for everything it takes to make a book. Yes. 
on the first, and then everything is, is upside from there. We're not at that position yet, but there's no question we have not released a Duff book yet. No. Nowhere near. They're great books. And as long and they're as. Not, they're not only content, but the way they look. Yeah, exactly. Every aspect of it is, it's. it's Because we take, we take all that very seriously, don't we? Yeah, we? well, that's the tribe values. Yeah. You but know, I, mean, I think that's I mean, even more so that's important. Yeah, well, we hear about trans. I mean, we were talking to uh, on the show yesterday, and JD Kirk said when he was work- working for HarperCollins, one of his books was printed and it was riddled with mistakes, including his name being wrong on the front. And Not a great start. No. So the first 13,000 print run had to be pulped. And they said, we'll do an emergency print run because it, you know, it was a launch party, you need copies there, we'll get it done. They didn't. Three days later, they eventually printed it, and they'd sent the same PDF file to the printers and done another 13,000 book run, which was completely wrong. And they pulped the whole lot, 26,000 copies. That isn't going to happen on our watch. <laughs> and if it did, we'd be bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, we would. We wouldn't be around very long. We would be uh, seeing any we come, back, we come back to this thing where, you know, you, you, we're standing over there and there's Hatchet and the booksellers and there's, you know, HarperCollins and there's Bloomsbury and whatever. You know, these are, these are um, publishers going back over 100 years, many yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and before, and I, uh, I sometimes think you're very hard on yourself. Two years is absolutely nothing for setting up a successful business, as anyone knows. Um, and mm. the, the, the indication that you, you still go, oh, two years and, and all the rest of it, it's, it's a real indication of, one, how much you care and one, how much you put into it. I mean, you never stop working, it, it seems to me. So the fact that you, you say, well, two years, if we're still here in two years' time, you will be, as you well know, <laughs> and you'll be d- doing very, very nicely, but it will have taken the full four years mm. of investment of time, energy, Energy, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, taste and wisdom uh, to actually get there and you know in, in 10 years time who knows you know I'll uh, be 60 yes well great well, you, <laughs> well, yes well you'll be on your your, your, your yacht by then <laughs> I, 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 I would have thought and uh, well, with, with a lot of cats I, <laughs> I think I think you're right I think that the you don't you never hear an entrepreneur ever say Oh, it was a breeze. It is always this. We always thought, you know, there were times when we thought we'd never get through it and yeah. we were going to close. And then suddenly all the hard work paid off. And it's the same for those indie authors who are sitting there on a, on a table who started off with, you know, 25. As LJ Ross said, my first book went into the world, sold 25 on the first day from friends and family, yes. and then sank like without a trace to start with. And gradually the momentum built and I kept writing and I kept going at it. And now It's not giving up. She's a millionaireess and with enough money I to be able to just do philanthropic things around the northeast for the benefit of uh, you, know, li- you know literacy and supporting other authors, and it's fantastic to see. Um, but it came through sheer bloody hard work. Yeah, so. and it is sheer rude word hard work. There is no other way to do it. I mean, people love a story of a, an overnight success. You know, that, that's great. And, but, I mean, the chances of that happening, uh, you know, are so, so rare. I mean, hard graft and actually belief in yourself. Um, so, and what I find interesting is what you've been so openly through in the last two years is pretty much similar to any creative person's struggle. You have the highs, you have the lows, you have the self-doubt, you have the un- yeah. undying belief. All these things are crossing your mind within the matter of minutes sometimes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, basically, if you hit on something 
and you're flexible. This is another thing yeah. uh, I'd say about you, you guys. You are flexible. You're not closed to anything. You'll try new things. We'll try anything. And you'll be yeah. honest if they don't work. And then they'll, be, you know, then you'll continue doing what you always do. But you're quite flexible in that. And that is something where an awful lot of organisations aren't. They're not as flexible. Yes. as uh, a smaller publishing house um, and I think that really is very very useful to be to be quicker uh, to be flexible um, to be able to take inspiration and run with it yeah. without having to go, go through countless committee meetings and, <laughs> and you know months and months of this and that whatever that, you know that's a great advantage you know gr- yeah. guerrilla publishing yeah, and yeah. being nimble. It, yeah. it is absolutely, yeah. 3 a.m. decision-making. Yes, yeah. we do a lot of that. Oh, we do yes. a lot of that. Uh, well, Bob, thank you so much for, for joining Not us on the podcast uh, again. How uh, about a random question? Oh, yeah, yeah. come on. Oh, Throw Robin a random question. Come on. What is your favourite cheese and why? Oh, my favourite cheese, <laughs> I have to say, is I like a smoked cheddar. <gasps> oh, I do too. A smoked cheddar. It's out there now. It, you know, I, I'll never be able well, to take you, that back. Is it, you always reach for the Applewood when you're in there? Uh, uh, Applewood, but if I can go to the counter and there's a particularly nice yeah, yeah. For, you know, smoked gouda as oh, well. Yeah. It's, oh, it's okay. also very, yeah, yeah. very nice. I don't know if smoked isn't supposed to be very good for you, but I don't care. I don't smoke cigarettes, so I might, ha- I might as well smoke cheese. Um, <laughs> and uh, So, yes, that's it. Um, I'm not going to tell you my second favourite jam, which is my wife and I's, Amy's nice favourite line from the great fantastic ever-decreasing circles with Richard Bryant and Peter Egan mm. <coughs> and I, I, it's, um, yeah so yeah that's that's where I am on my cheese board on a, on a regular regular basis well I think we could share a cheese board because I like the, the mature cheddar not smoked you like the, the soppy soppy camembert things yeah I, 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 like, a so- I like a good soft cheese oh, yeah. Yeah. and I like a smoked, <coughs> smoked cheddar for sure yeah <laughs> so we've got a hard nut we've got a smoked nut and we've got a sloppy nut and now we know <laughs> what we're going to get you for Christmas <laughs> yes yes a six week old Brie. <laughs> We're in the most popular bit of the whole fair, it seems, Rebecca. I feel like I'm on a tube, a very busy tube. Drinking beer, though. Yeah, that's not so bad. So this is the IPG drinks do, and the entire festi- the fair, I keep calling it a festival, uh, seems to have descended on the place. Well, why- why not? Well, there's free drinks on offer. <laughs> and we're just trying to grab one or two people to say what they're doing and why they're here. I'm Hattie Greenwald. I'm a literary agent at the Blair Partnership. Oh, fantastic. How's it gone so far for you? The, I mean, it's a bewildering event, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm so glad to be back. It's been such a long time. And we've got a really exciting book this year that everyone's going mad about, which is like a, a mythological retelling of Psyche and Eros, um, which Orion have just preempted. And we've getting lots of international deals. So it's a fun fair so far. Oh, fantastic. So, I mean, it's interesting, the preempting thing. We noticed in the bookseller, yeah. you know, the different verbs they use <laughs> swoop. Preempt. So you've got to preempt. That's that must feel fantastic. Yes, it's the most nerve-wracking thing when it happens for an agent because you have to make a decision quickly. But it is very exciting once it's all agreed. Yeah. And then uh, you know, have you ever been involved in? I mean, I've seen this week sixteen-way auctions and things like that. I mean, that's crazy. Yes, that's slightly higher than I've ever got up to. I don't know if I should be bidding that on my podcast, but yeah, it, it's fun when you have a lot of publishers bidding. Um, I had like a nice six-way one before Christmas, and that felt good. And how long have you been in the, the in the business? 
Um, I think I'm nine years in the business. Um, started out as an intern at Blake Friedman Agency, and I've been at the Blair Partnership the last two and a half years. Fantastic. And they're looking after you well. Yes, I love it. It's really great. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were butching about other employers before that. So, you're at the book fair with a beer. Who are you and what are you doing at the book fair? All right, my name is Mark Ingram. I work for a company called Jove. Yep. We're a, a scientific publisher of um, videos and educational resources, so for STEM. Okay, yeah. And, and where are you based? Uh, we headquarters in Cambridge, Massachusetts, but we've got satellite offices in London and uh, Melbourne and India. Wow. And how, how are sales going and, and, and the relationship building going here? At the, at the conference, good. A lot of potential partnerships, um, some good leads and having really good conversations. It's just generally good to speak to people in person again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's a bit bewildering. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of going, too many people. I mean, I haven't been in an environment like this for a very long time. Yeah, you kind of get that kind of PTSD from COVID, don't you? So like even at the drinks reception here, there's so many people huddled in one place. But you know what? I feel lucky to be able to get out and do this again, so yeah. we're, we're enjoying it. And in terms of that video content, who, who, who is, you know, who's presenting that for you? In terms of, so we we are the publisher and yeah. the, and the and the curator of it. So we, um, for our education content, we yeah. curate that in house, right. and it's digested primarily by undergraduate students. Okay. When they're doing their their, their learning at, at 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 school and well more 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 at home in in the, in the latest remote teaching environments. So presumably the pandemic's been a good thing for you, has it? <laughs> I mean, you could say that, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it was a, a blessing for us in a, in, a, in a strange sense. You know, we, yeah. were, we were fortunate that um, our content was able to uh, help people in the pandemic, you know. So we, 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 were, we were quite lucky in that regard, yeah. And with one day to go, how are you feeling energy-wise? Spirits are high. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking to us. Cheers. have control <laughs> so we found two other people to talk to and um, so first of all I just want to know uh, who you are and what company you are from and why you're here why I'm here hello I'm Daniela Blechner I'm an author book journey mentor founder of a company called Conscious Strings Publishing we're with the IPG at the moment on their lovely stand at 6E70 uh, we provide bespoke publishing and mentoring services to authors with powerful messages and stories to share and I've really just come here to network, um, to learn more about the industry, and to um, learn more about IPG and network with um, independent companies and learn about publishing, sorry, selling and buying of rights. So how long have you been, uh, how long has your company been in, in business? Uh, we've been going for six years, so I would say officially from 2016, so that is six years, isn't it? I feel like we've lost the last two years, so I can't keep track. So about six years. And how have you found uh, the book fair this time around? Um, absolutely loving the book fair. Um, last time, this is my first experience actually having an exhibition or having a stand. Um, again, obviously because of the pandemic, I had booked this two years ago, so it does feel like... Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely different, but when I've come before, um, I've come as an attendee, so it's a different experience coming as an attendee as to coming to exhibit. So it's great, 
there's a lot going on, lots of meetings, lots of different seminars, so it's just working out where to be, at what time. Yeah, yes. definitely enjoy it, exactly. Definitely enjoy it. But it is a lot quieter, I'm finding, than when I was last here, which I think is a good thing in a way, because there's more of an opportunity for quality meets and to really network and have good conversations. Exactly, yes. I mean, someone else said that as well, that it's quieter. Um, that's great. Have you got any questions? Yeah, I mean, um, what was the inspiration to setting it up in the first place? In a weird way, and now this sounds strange, but it was accidental. Um, I've always wanted to be an author myself. I started off writing a middle grade fantasy mm. book. Uh, the book that I first published, published eight books. So the book that I first published actually wasn't that middle grade book. And I am going a different route. I'm going the traditional route for that particular book. But the book that I was publishing, I was going to agents, I was speaking to traditional companies, and... I didn't feel, I felt there was only so far I could go. And I was, I published my own book through my own company and it did quite well. But I had lots of people, mainly women, uh, women from marginalised backgrounds coming to me and saying, can you help me to publish my book? And there were everyday women like Jasmine here with amazing stories. Um, not all of them were writers, some of them were fantastic writers, but some of them just had a powerful story, but they yeah. didn't have an outlet or a place to share that story. And so I started off helping, you know, as a labour of love. Mm. Then they started doing really well, and I thought, oh, I should have charged. This needs to be a business. And so I set the business up. And um, from then, we've published over 140 books. I've mentored 200 authors, not just publishing books, but helping them. I'm an English teacher as well, so yeah. I help them in terms of writing, structure, yeah. learning about the book publishing industry, how to promote and market their books. So many authors were getting stuck, you know, using particular companies that printed their book for, you know... The vast sums of money. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you said it. But vast sums of money, and they didn't care about the author, they didn't care about how they're going to market, promote their book, what, you know, how they can use their book as a marketing, marketing strategy, and then they were taking you know, huge royalties, and the author didn't know, you know, what my royalties are, you know, um, how many books have I sold. So it's about... It's the teacher in me, yeah. it's the mentoring side, yeah. and helping authors to be able to thrive and have a career in... You know, authoring as well. I'm going to ask you a controversial question because yeah. clearly the mainstream industry has woken up to its diversity issues, mm-hmm. but only in the last few months. Mm-hmm. That's, it feels like. Yeah, 100%. How do you feel about that? That there's suddenly, you know, there's umpteen scholarships and bursaries and competitions. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's welcome in the terms of they're finally woken up to there's a problem. But do you, how do you feel any cynicism towards the way they're taking the approach? I talk about this a lot <laughs> with the hashtag representation matters, diversity matters. So we've yeah. been going for six years and so we've published over 140 books. You know, I've come across a plethora of black, Asian, I hate the term BAME, we all hate no, it, yeah, to yeah, be honest, it lumps yeah, us into yeah, one. Awful. But that's, the, that's, what's called, that's what we're calling the report. Yeah. We all hate it. Um, a plethora of amazing authors with amazing ideas and suddenly all these opportunities are coming and we do talk about this a lot it's great in the sense that opportunities are here but it's the intention behind it are you trying to tick a box do you really understand where we're coming from when I'm going on the websites, so for example I'm also you know an author and I'm going I'm planning to go through the traditional route and I'm a real avid researcher. I'll look at all of the companies. Like the first thing I do is I look at who's in the senior management, who's in the leadership, who are the agents, what do they look like? Yeah. And I can spot maybe one or two. So it's not about 
giving us this token. Yeah, we want to bang, you know, trend word, hashtag, you know, diverse authors. We've always been here. We, we're not suddenly appeared. We've always been here. And this is why we've created our right. This is why I've created this platform. And I publish authors from all over the world. So we're not just, you know, publishing marginalised authors, but there hasn't been a platform for us and suddenly this is opening up because of something that's always been a problem guilt yeah guilt you know and I think with the George Floyd thing Joy Gardner I could talk about this for ages you know Joy Gardner so many British people black British you know male and females have, have gone through similar you know cases and it's what the media decide to give attention to then becomes a sense of wow we've got to do something now and it, it does feel a bit like virtue signaling don't get me wrong we're ha- I've shared these opportunities with my community and people have jumped on it but what happens to you know the the sense of this person has a talent this person has a great story they're fantastic at writing we don't want to be just tokens. We don't want to be accepted because you need to tick a box. We want to be accepted because we've got talent and we yeah, recognise yeah, yeah. for what we're offering and what we have to say and how we have to say it. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say for now. <laughs> yeah, we've got all got a drink in hand and, you know, we can leave it there. But that's... Yeah, but no, thank you. We really appreciate your time and thank you for speaking to us. Thank you so much for asking me that question as well and thank you so much for coming to speak to us. We're joined by Jasmine Russell, um, and you're here in what capacity? I'm an author. I'm an author of a new book called The Unseen Veil, published by Danny, which just spoke a few minutes ago, um, by Conscious Dreams Publishing. So, yeah, I'm here visiting today for the first time as an author. How does it feel? Because we find it completely overwhelming coming to London Book Fair. It is definitely, I did feel overwhelmed when I walked in and I thought, oh my goodness, where am I going to go first? Um, And who am I going to speak to? It was just loads of people everywhere. But then as I started walking through it, I guess it got, not easier, but um, it wasn't as overwhelming. I think I got into speaking to different people and it just was much better, much more relaxing. (laughs) Yeah, so I've definitely enjoyed it and I definitely will come back tomorrow as well. Tell me about that journey then to to authorship and bringing a book out. How long has that been a dream? Yeah, it's um, it's something I've always wanted to do, to write a book, but I never really um, did it until just over the pandemic when I had a story to share about being in an emotionally abusive marriage and then leaving and finding freedom. And the journey's been great all thanks to again my publisher Danny. sorry I keep mentioning her but from Conscious Dreams Publishing um, she's my book mentor so it, it really did help the process of writing because I had no idea how I was going to go about it I'd written the my first manuscript and I just didn't know what to do next and then yeah it's it's made it a lot easier having a book mentor and an amazing company and how does it feel having that book out or coming out? I mean, we speak to our authors, quite a lot of them are first-timers as well. It's, it's the fulfilment of a dream. Is that how it feels to you? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It's also quite nerve-wracking as well because it is a memoir. It is my personal story. It is my journey and what I've gone through. So it's, it's also quite nerve-wracking just because of what it is and I'm sharing my story to the world. But at the same time, it has opened a lot of opportunities and I've met so many people through 
this whole writing process and also publishing. So it's overall, it's great. I, I love it. Um, I want to write more books. <laughs> well, that, it's a very tough... Obviously, you're dealing with, with your personal story. Very tough subject. Um, difficult to find a publisher, I thought. I mean, I know Danny's fabulously supportive, but to take a book on of that with that theme and and that sort of story and the, the things that are within it, it can't be easy. Yeah, I... To be honest, I had no idea. So I... I didn't know where really to go to until I so it was through a friend that recommended me to Conscious Dreams Publishing and well Danny and yeah I was just amazed when I spoke with her and then she was like yeah you've got a powerful story to share and I was like oh my gosh really in my head I thought oh actually this is going to come alive and it did so I am really happy because I, I had no idea how I would share my story um, I know it's quite a deep topic that no one not many people speak about you know leaving a marriage and an emotionally abusive marriage and abuse domestic abuse and finding freedom so I was really happy to have it published and you know to go through that journey of writing easily not quite stressful so yeah, yeah. having that support and uh, I noticed by your badge your day job you're a teacher so <laughs> Do the pupils know the book's coming out? Are they excited by the prospect? No, actually, no. My students don't know. I've actually kept that a secret for the last seven months at school. So I've just started working as a maths teacher at, um, at Arc Putney Academy since last September. So the whole writing process, they had no idea. And they still don't know. <laughs> so if anyone's listening... And the name's different, yeah. So my name on the book is Jasmine Beverly. And my, yeah, my teacher name's different, so they won't be able to link it. But, I, you know, I wouldn't mind sharing. It's just been, I've just kept it quiet for now, I guess. But I wouldn't mind sharing because it's, it's something that I believe will empower and encourage so many people, including young, young people as well. You know, as they grow older and make decisions and getting into um, and marrying and getting into relationships or even experiencing abuse or emotional, any emotional abuse or situation, even with family or friends, I think it can empower and help so many people. So I think it's just a matter of time before I release the news to my school. <laughs> well, we wish you all the luck and it's fantastic that you found somebody to take you through to that point. Uh, and the doors that will now open, I suppose. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, thank you to Danny at Conscious Dreams Publishing. <laughs> I'm really grateful. And yeah, thank you for interviewing me. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been our pleasure and our honour. So thank you very much for spending some time with us. We ought to be honest with you and say that we had a couple of interviews lined up with some more significant, well, significant authors, which unfortunately, due to uh, their schedules, fell through today so we hope that we've brought you a real sense of the festival we also we've got another apology to make yes. we did promise the pineapple man now the problem with the pineapple man we think is he only booked a stall for the day he was here for a day and we had our opportunity we missed it but i tell you what we'll do is we'll go online we'll find an extract of pineapple wisdom yes and, we'll, and i will narrate Post it, it. Yeah, are you going to narrate it even I'll, better i'll narrate it Albeit I can't get his accent entirely right because it was so authentically American. 
do you think? I, I thought he had a bit of a hybrid accent. Didn't well, he? I thought he was American, but... No, he was American, but he was, there was a bit of a British influence. Well, maybe, maybe. Anyway, well, we the, don't know. The mystery of Pineapple Man <laughs> continues. But we've had, uh, you know, it, it's been a, a, a day we won't forget in a hurry. And, and it's been a, at times, challenging day, but also a very affirming day. I have to talk about my highlight of the day. I mean, obviously Uncle Bob, but second to Uncle Bob was talking to a Texan cow rancher. Yes. Who is, uh, her fascination is science and scientists. And she gave me a book for Toby. Of Ch- on Charles Darwin. On Charles Darwin. So she was wonderful. She was, and she was wearing this lovely dress. She was really small and thin and delicate yeah, as well. She's, but she, she's handled steers, and, <laughs> as you do in Texas. She's a cow lady. She was brilliant. She's a cow lady. Not often you could say that and get away with it. Well, thank you yet again for joining us on the Hopcast uh, book show. We're always gratified that you would sign up and listen to us. Uh, you can get more details about our books, our authors, and everything else at Hobeck at www.hobeck.net. And we'll be back again for the final day of the London Book Fair with another Hopcast special. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you then. So from me, Adrian Hobart. And me, Rebecca Collins. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Hobcast from the London Book Fair, and we'll speak to you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Hobcast from Hobeck Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website, www.hobeck.net. You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto, Trad Values, Indie Spirit. Indie Spirit.